Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Hey, Betties. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. Okay, Bettys, I want to talk about the neurology of posture. I am a huge fan of the BioOptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementi's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apreski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. And for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box 
free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. And you may be thinking like, what is she talking about? What is the relationship? But there is a implication in brain health that we can infer from somebody's posture. And there can also be neurological weaknesses that begin to develop over time as our posture gets worse. So the two are very intimately connected. And I have been taught by many teachers, many of my mentors over you know, my many years um, as a doctor, that your posture is a reflection of your brain function and in particular, our frontal lobe. So the health of our brain and particularly our frontal lobe can be seen in our posture. So let's take a moment and define what the frontal lobe is, what it does and how it relates to posture. So even though you cannot see your frontal lobe, and that's for those of you that may not be familiar with it, your frontal lobe is basically the area of your brain that is the last to develop. So it is the area uh, right at the top, right at the front of the brain. The prefrontal cortex is right behind the forehead, and then right behind the PFC is our frontal lobe. Our motor cortex is, is housed in our frontal lobe as well. And if you've ever been a mom with a toddler in a store, not getting what they want, so they are not getting a toy or they're not getting a cereal that they want, and they have an all-out shit fit, uh, that is evidence of not having a frontal lobe. (laughs) So I always cringe when I see parents like screaming at their little toddlers because they don't have the ability to reason. Like if they want their toy, it's because they actually don't have the neurological capacity to say, hmm, well, mommy didn't budget for that, or I already have like three of the same toy. Like they don't have a frontal lobe. So uh, we are actually born basically with a brainstem and um, an limbic system, like a, a midbrain. And then our cortex sort of develops over the course of time such that it matures and our, you know, our brain is fully formed at about 25. And of course, coincidentally, so is our skeleton. So our skeleton, our neurological system and our musculoskeletal system matures at about the age of 25. And I would recommend you listen to my conversation with Jennifer Kalari on teenagers because teenagers think they know everything, even though, and they look like they're, you know, mini adults, but of course, neurologically, neuro MSK wise, they are, they are not. So, all right, let's talk about what the frontal lobe does. So there's many things that it does. We often hear it referred to as the executive decision maker, future planning. Of course, it does all that. Neurologically, it is its main job is largely inhibitory, meaning that it should be inhibiting inhibiting lower brain centers. So those lower brain centers are that midbrain area, the limbic brain or the limbic system. So this is like our emotional areas of the brain. There's also other areas like the pontomedullary area. And when the limbic system is not being inhibited, so the frontal lobe is supposed to like quiet it down. It's like, it's like the parent, right? Like your frontal lobe is like the parent of your brain. It's like, shh, you know, so when uh, your frontal lobe is not able to inhibit your limbic system, this gives the opportunity for our sympathetic nervous system to dominate. So, what do I mean by sympathetic nervous system? Well, you may have heard the term 
or the phrase fight or flight. So it is our stress response. Our sympathetics are our stress response. And when the, you know, it's like the old saying or the, I don't know if it's an adage, but it's, you know, when the cat's away, the mice play, right? So the, you can think of the cat as the frontal lobe and the mice as our limbic system. So when the cat is away, the mice are going to play. When the frontal lobe is offline, our sympathetics, our stress response is going to dominate. And when I think about, you know, the women that I would see in clinic, it was like, she was a woman, she was anxious. She was trying to raise, you know, juggle raising children and a career and being a wife sometimes and being a friend sometimes and being a daughter and, you know, so she had all these roles. She had a high perception of stress. It was chronic low-grade stress and inflammation over time. And this would, over time, it would get worse. Over time, she would notice that her stress was worse and she was having a harder and harder time wrangling it in. And this is actually why I wanted to have a conversation around posture because posture is not simply aesthetics. Although when you do have good posture, man, do you look like a million bucks. Like you are confident, you are tall, you are standing proud. I just absolutely love uh, seeing someone with good posture. So let's actually talk a little bit about stress. I think when people think about stress, like images of like the fetal position come to mind, uh, maybe they're hunched forward or slumping over in like a defeated you know, position over their computer. And when you have a healthy frontal lobe, it's, and its main job is inhibiting those lower brain centers, one of the other things that it does is it inhibits flexion. So think about the fetal position, right? Like you have your knees into your chest, your head's forward, your arms are tucked in. That's all flexion. So when you have a healthy frontal lobe, you can extend, you can stand erect, right? So think about what it feels like for you to slump forward, right? It's kind of stressful. You sort of think about someone who might be sad or... um, um, or defeated. Um, and someone who's standing up really tall, they look like they are in control of things. And that's actually what's happening because your brain is in control. Your The area of your brain, your frontal lobe is running the show. So when we look at poor posture, particularly with our heads, right? So um, when we think about that forward head posture or the destruction of the curves in your neck, this is going to affect our neurology. So this is one of the big things I I looked at in clinic. It was always looking at what we called um, a loss of lordosis in the cervical spine. So the cervical spine is is another word for the spine in the neck. And lordosis is, um, I would often describe it as like a banana. It was like a backward C shape, right? So that's normal. We want that backward C shape in the neck. But over time, when we have this forward head posture uh, or what we would call kyphosis, progressive kyphosis, of the cervical spine, that is going to demyelinate. You are going to have neuronal loss in areas like the anterior horn of the spinal cord because you are compressing, like the compression forces in the bones of the neck because they're in this weird uh, maladaptive position all the time is actually going to destroy... Uh, areas of the spinal cord. So super important. So when we think about forward head posture... It, it it results in reduced proprioception, meaning, and again, this, I know this is technical, so uh, stay with me. <laughs> I'm right here. Stay with me. The show notes are going to help you. Proprioception is your ability to know where you are in space. Okay. So 
when you're for when your head is forward you are going to have a reduced ability to know where you are in space and the change in muscle length so when think about like someone who's like you know their head is buried in their computer or in their phone or something you're going to have a change in muscle length in the neck it is going to decrease the joint position sense that's your proprioception and it is going to lead to hypotonia or what we would call when we're when we're evaluating tone of the nervous system we call this low axial tone right so uh, this is another way of saying there is a weak brain here there is a weak frontal lobe and this is actually just as a side note for my chiropractors i know there's a lot of chiropractors who listen this is why x-rays are so important right because you know that you can look for aberrant coupled motion on the x-ray you can do like the standard series right the ap the lateral the you know the um uh, the AP open mouth, all that stuff, but you can also do motion x-rays, right? So just a little clinical pro for my doctors that are listening. You can look for aberrant coupled motion in the cervical spine. You can also do this in the lumbar spine as well. So clinically, when I am evaluating someone from head to toe, and you can actually do this on yourself, um, some of the first things that we will see for with someone who has poor posture and thereby we know that their inhibit their inhibitory capacity of the frontal lobe is being compromised is we might see a head tilt when they're standing so like one um you know, one ear is higher than the other. We might also see a slight rotation in the head when they're looking uh, straight or they think that they're looking straight. When we actually move down the body, we can actually see that their eyes are also not um, uh, not even as well. So what we see here in terms of sympathetic dominance is a muscle in the eye called the medial rectus. We will see one eye typically further towards the middle. Uh, so you're, when you look at your eyes, there should be even amount of white part, like the white part of your eye, you should see an even amount of white on the outside as the inside. But what we're looking for here is a difference between the left eye and the right eye. So often I would see someone who had, you know, a head tilt, we'd also see contraction of like one side, one eye was sort of tracking closer to the middle. We would also see internal rotation of our shoulders, right? So flexion in the upper half of the body uh, or external rotation in the lower half of the body. So it's kind of this... um, if you just think of like the worst posture you could ever have, right? So you're kind of slumped forward. You have your forward head posture. You have this thoracic kyphosis, this internal rotation of the arms, these external rotation of the legs. Like you just look like you've given up on life. But what we know about that is that it's inferring that weak brain. And it also has other, it's not just like, okay, like who cares? Like my neck, the curve in my neck is no longer there. Like, does that really matter? Well, you know, you lose the, uh, your pulmonary function is going to be affected. So if you were to try and take a deep breath when you're slumped over, it's going to be much harder for you to do so versus when you are upright and you are erect. So it's very, very important in terms of your your um, your pulmonary function, your ability to take in oxygen. Of course, all your vitals are going to be affected, your respiratory rate. So the rate at which you breathe, if you can't get in enough oxygen, what's your body going to do? Oxygen is kind of important, right? So it's going to jack up your respiratory rate. You're going to be breathing faster, likely more shallow as well. You're not going to have those, like you're not going to be um, using more diaphragmatic breathing. And when we think about the upper respiratory muscles, like just the sort of like all this like vicious knock-on effects, you're going to be activating those neck flexors, right? So the sternocleidomastoid, the deep neck flexors, the up the pecs, like these are all 
um, more superficial respiratory muscles that are going to be now working much harder. Your heart rate is going to uh, increase as well with, in coinciding with that increased respiratory rate and your oxygenation may or may not change. But we know that when we look at poor posture, it has a direct link with mortality. So there have been uh, a few studies, I'll throw them in the show notes, that talk about increased mortality, the more you have a curve in your thoracic spine. So the thoracics are your mid-back. Um, so the kyphosis or the, the rounded shape of your mid-back, the more rounded your mid-back is, the faster essentially you die. And I know that that sounds just awful, but it really does point to the importance of the um, of the of your ability to stand up straight and the ability of your frontal lobe, the health and vitality of your frontal lobe. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So let's talk a little bit about posture and sleep. And I'm actually going to do a geeky magic just on sleep position, but I'm going to give you a little teaser now. I think that this dirt deserves such a big mention because I think that there are a few things as controversial as sleep position. And I think that the whole world has it wrong. And I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> everyone has it wrong except me. Uh, no, I kid. I, of course, my uh, these, this has been taught to me by my mentors and people who have been, uh, who are far more intelligent than me. And I am just amalgamating the information and sharing it with you. So I actually wrote about this and I, I write about this extensively, extensively in my upcoming book. We just we just need to stop vilifying sleep positions. It's like the dumbest thing. Like at some point, some mattress manufacturer was like, hey, you know, we should also be selling with our mattresses more pillows. So let's just tell everybody that they need like this certain pillow and it has like this certain curve in it and it's going to keep you straight all night long, you know? And and, you know, if you don't sleep with a pillow, either on your back or if you sleep on your stomach, somehow you are sleeping wrong. And let's, let me just say for the record that good posture, there's not one good posture. Posture is a continuum. So, and that is the same overnight as well. You should not be in just one position overnight. Okay. So sometimes people will say, oh my God, I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I, you know, fell asleep and I woke up in the same position. That might be true. Highly unlikely though. It is very likely that you have moved extensively overnight because that is the normal thing to do. And so is sleeping on your stomach. And I, I'll talk a little bit about this when we do a geeky magic on stomach sleeping, but 
if we think about the motion that we lose, the two things that we lose, we talked about forward head posture. So your head has now translated anterior. So now your head is in a state of forward head posture. So that means that the cervical spine is flattening, right? And then that ability to rotate our head from side to side is now going to be impacted because the vertebra are not actually sitting on top of each other the way that they should. So Extension and rotation, those are the two motions that happen that we lose as we age. And if you think about what happens when you sleep on your stomach, those are the two motions. It's extension and rotation. You are extending your head and you're rotating it off to the side. Now there are considerations because some people have tried it and they're like, this is killing my neck. So there are some things that we can do to help ease you into sleeping on your stomach. And we'll talk about that um, on my next geeky magic, but I just want to say that like prone sleeping is good for you. So sleeping on your stomach is good for you. And actually when we think about this with our children, this is why tummy time is so goddamn important for our kids, because that's how the cervical spine actually develops. The curve in the spine develops through tummy time, because what happens? Baby lifts her head up. And the first time she does it, her head's too heavy for her little muscles. And then she face plants and then she cries. Maybe you nurse her and you put her back on tummy time. Okay. So over time, she's able to lift her head up extension. And then what else does she do? She pans along the horizon. That's why you put those like little plastic keys or those, um, you know, little toys in her periphery. So she can do what she can find it with her head, reach for it. And then she probably puts it in her mouth because that's her developing her eye hand coordination. Okay. So sleeping on your stomach is actually how we develop our neck uh, curve. It is very, uh, pardon me, not sleeping on your stomach, um, being on your stomach. So tummy time is how we develop our curve in our neck. So it is so important for you not to be vilifying stomach uh, sleeping positions. And any physiotherapist, any chiropractor, anyone who thinks otherwise, please have them call me up and I will I will educate them on biomechanics because it is just it does not make sense for and I see online these like this is my little rant here and I'll stop after a second but I see these freaking like neck slings like oh my god they're the worst so it's like these Instagram I see this on Instagram all the time where they have these people have neck pain so they put them in flexion and there's they they put them in this like neck sling and I'm like oh my god you're just making the problem worse so and if you think about it if you are sleeping on a really big puffy pillow and you're on your back, what are you doing? You're actually just replicating that forward head posture. So exne on the illopay and the stupid slings that I see on Instagram, and I don't remember their name. I would call them out if I um, if I could, but um, it is really important for you to be able to sleep in all variety of positions. Okay. So wanted to talk a little bit about that. And maybe what we'll do for today's Geeky Magic is we'll talk about a couple of ways that we can improve our posture. Now, there are so many ways, but I'm going to give you a couple of actionable items today because that's that's actually what I uh, think might be most useful for you. So first of all, first thing that you can do is you can start experimenting with sleeping in different positions, like we were talking about with sleep position, like sleep. So you can try sleeping on your side, sleeping on your back, maybe take the pillow out and see how it feels. Like it might actually feel like you're giving yourself a little bit more room to breathe. Try sleeping on your tummy with your head turned to one side, maybe stay there for 30 seconds or a minute and then flip and do the other side and see, you'll notice like one side is uh, probably easier to do than the other, right? And that's actually, uh, I will just say, um, 
to kind of completely geek out with you today, the rotation is one of my favorite moves for the neck because it also helps us get into that coronal plane. And I will be talking a lot about the coronal plane. I know I've mentioned it in the past, both with guests and on my geeky magic shows, but the coronal plane is actually where health and vitality for our brain lives. So as we are always in the middle, as we are always in this, like what I call the sagittal plane, I don't call it that. It's actually just called the sagittal plane, but the sagittal plane is like, you know, you're sitting on, you know, your, your chair, you're looking at your computer, your arms are at midline, right? They're like typing on a keyboard and uh, your legs are together, right? That's all kind of like everything is close to the midline, right? When you pick up your phone, your hand is not stretched out to the side. It's right in front of you sagittal plane. Rotation now brings your head and your eyes out to the side. So now you're moving away from the midline. If you move your head to the other side, again, you're moving away from the midline. This is the coronal plane and health and vitality of your brain lives here. So rotation is actually really important. So if sleeping on your stomach with your head rotated is a little too aggressive for you right now, you may just try looking to the left and the right while you're standing. So uh, hopefully you're not driving right now. So you, um, or if you are, you can try this when you park. But if you are sitting listening to this or you're walking, um, try looking to your right side and see how far away your nose is from your shoulder. Now, no cheating, Betty. You have to try and get your nose. So normal range of motion for the cervical spine is 80 to 90, degree, 90 degrees of rotation. So that means that your nose should pretty much line up with your shoulder without bringing your shoulder forward. Because I know that you're going to try to be like, oh my God, it's only like, 60 degrees. So I'm just, let me just bring my shelf a little bit forward, but um, just kind of see how far off your nose is from your shoulder. And you can look to the other side and see if there's a difference, right? See if there's any asymmetries there. And in this case, the, the test is actually the therapy. So I actually love, 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 love to test this. So I might, uh, I used to have, um, uh, an equipment that would give me the exact angle that I would do in the clinic, but you can just do this yourself every single day, like rotate your head to the left, rotate your head to the right. Do that 10 times every hour on the hour. And you will start to see over the course of several weeks that that rotation is going to be amplified. It is going to be facilitated and easier. And there's going to be less restriction in the muscles that are helping you do that. So that would be another thing that I would like to see you do. And that's going to also help improve your posture. Specifically with the neck, the other thing, and I see this a lot in my ladies and diagnostically on x-ray, it's always the same. They always have a flat neck or a reverse neck in terms of the curve, but you should be able to, when you bring your ear to your shoulder, you should be able to get your ear on your shoulder. So, um, if you can try that at your next opportunity and see how far off you are, you'll be shocked. And most women are like, oh, there's no way that I was ever able to do that. Trust me, you were. And when we see the lat, that's what we call lateral flexion. When that lateral flexion is destroyed, eight to nine times out of 10, if I were to x-ray that person, there's no curve in the spine. And this is why our posture is related to our neurology, because as it's always, whenever we see pathology, right? So it's all physiology always precedes pathology. It is never that you just wake up with, um, 
you know, no brain, you know, no brain function. And now your frontal lobe can't inhibit your, uh, your lower brain centers. And now all of a sudden you can't rotate. This is a slow progressive attenuation that happens over time. So we will see mechanical changes. We will see physicality, then uh, physiology and then pathology. So really important for, and these are just like really simple things. They don't cost any money. You can do them all day long. Um, bringing your ear to your shoulder. And I would do that like 10 to 20 times every hour on the hour, looking left and right every hour on the hour practicing sleeping on your tummy. These are things that will slowly but naturally begin to improve the mechanical articulation in the neck. And that is going to help your neurology. Because like I mentioned before, when you have that forward head posture and you have that destruction of the spine, the spinal cord actually gets smaller, right? We You have that atrophy of what's called the anterior horn of the spinal cord. Um, and that is going to make the spinal cord smaller. And of course, we posture when we have good posture, all the pathways that are coming up to the brain and down from the brain are going to be facilitated, right? So if you have destruction in the spinal cord, then the sensory information that comes up, to, uh, so like sensory information is like, you know, uh, uh, you know, pressure, temperature, uh, crude touch, light touch, all these things are even just like position sense. All these things are coming up to the brain. It's giving your brain information about your environment, what's going on. So these ascending or these ascending sensory pathways are intact and your descending motor pathways. So I mentioned before that your motor cortex is in your frontal lobe. So your brain is like, okay, I want you to lift your arm up to 90 degrees and I want you to wave to your friend down the street. Like those are descending motor pathways, right? So as funny as that sounds, that's that's how it works, right? Your 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 motor cortex is like, oh, you see your friend. Okay, like go and like flex your bicep and flex and extend your bicep so that you can um, you're sorry, flex and extend your elbow using your bicep and your tricep so that you can wave to this person. So these descending motor pathways are going to be uh, impacted as well, right? Because we all, we uh, we want to be also always making sure that the spine is in the best possible shape. And the other thing that we can infer from posture and just kind of wrapping this up is our mental health, right? So our happiness lives in our frontal lobe. And by, you know, even just like the opposite of that, the lack of uh, the lack of is also, you know, an, an inability of the frontal lobe to uh, to inhibit those lower brain centers. So we will see those things like the stress and the anxiety or the depression happening in um, when posture uh, is destroyed and when the frontal lobe is now getting smaller and its inability to inhibit these lower brain centers um, uh, gets worse over time. So our mental health is also, our posture is also related to our mental health as well. One of my mentors, Dr. Michael Hall, one of his favorite things to do was to bring his both hands by his side and then with arms very, very straight, reaching out to the side and reaching up overhead, touching your hands up overhead and then bringing them back down and doing that multiple times a day. Because again, what we find for most people with that internally rotated shoulder, the increased thoracic kyphosis, that ability to extend our arms in the coronal plane and all the way up also is destroyed over time. 
Okay. I think this is enough crazy geeky magic for today. I don't know if I've overwhelmed you. I would actually love to hear what you thought of this because I feel like, I feel like my Bettys, you guys are so smart. So you can take some of this like heavier science stuff. Um, but I could also go a lot deeper into this as well. So I want to know if you found this useful, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on, uh, Spotify, Google, all the places. Uh, and I would love for you to tell me what you thought of this geeky magic episode. And um, you can also tell me in our Facebook group as well, the better community. And I can always go one, two or five levels deeper with you. So I would love to hear how you, um, how this was received. And if there's things that I didn't explain properly, or I need to do it again, or in a, in a more succinct way, please let me know. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.